Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. series and do a series on the Holy Spirit. Oh my word. Good grief. I am concerned. Do what? Yeah, come on Wednesday nights. We're teaching on the Holy Spirit right now. What's wrong? Come on. Oh, all right. Lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. We're keeping them till Wednesday. Man. Man, all right, all right. Well, this is, we've been in this series called Family Feuds, and so uh, you know this, that family feuds are no fun except on TV. And we've talked about the fact that they're common to most families. In fact, what I want to do this morning, it's going to be a long service, I want you to open your Bible, and we're going to go through beginning to the end, and we're going to look at every perfect family in the entire Bible this morning. Every perfect family. Are you ready? Did you enjoy that? Because there are none. I mean, they were all messed up, right? There are no Cosby-like families in Scripture. It's more like the Hatfields and McCoys. So what I want to do this morning is I want to do this. I want to examine a feud that takes place in Scripture that most of us have never even really thought about. Uh, we know about all the drama surrounding this account, and people talk about it. I've talked about it. Preachers preach about it. But they never really, I've never really heard anybody deal with the part of the account that I want to read this morning. And so I want you to join me in 1 Samuel chapter 20. We're going to read verses 24 through 34 and uh, see if we don't see a little bit of different information this morning. It goes like this. So David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon celebration began, the king sat down to eat at his usual place against the wall. Jonathan sat opposite him and Abner was sitting beside Saul but David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he supposed that something had happened so that David was ceremonially impure. Yes, surely that must be it. But when his place was still empty the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't David been here for dinner either yesterday or today? He asked me if I could go to Bethlehem to take part in a family celebration, Jonathan replied. His brother demanded that he be there, so I told him to go ahead. And Saul, Saul boiled with rage. You fool, he yelled at him. Do you think I don't know that you want this son of a nobody to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that fellow is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But what has he done, Jonathan demanded. Why should he be put to death? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, I guess Jonathan was slow, uh, a little bit slow here. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father really meant it, was, meant it when he said David must die. And Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat all that day, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior towards David. Most of us are familiar with the drama that surrounds this account. You know there was tension between Saul and David. 
you, you recognize that Saul wanted to kill David because Saul was jealous of the favor, uh, of the, the, the anointing that rested upon David's life. In fact, you know in the Old Testament the Bible says that the ladies begin to sing about Saul and David. The difference, they'd say, uh, uh, Saul has killed his tens and David has killed his thousands. And so Saul as king, there's this tension boiling over because he's scared of the fact that David is taking the limelight. But you need to stop and think about what caused all this. You will have to remember that Israel demanded a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations, correct? So they, they come to Samuel and they say, Samuel, we want a king. We need a king. And so Samuel seeks after God and God says, okay, I've appointed a king. And he picks Saul. What we don't know about Saul, or most of us don't know about Saul, is that Saul was a farmer. Okay, get this in your mind. When, when Samuel comes along and pours the oil over Saul's head, he was a farmer. And in that moment, this anointing moment, Saul goes from being a farmer to now being the king of an entire nation. His life has dramatically changed. His station in life has changed. He goes from living at a farm place, now he's in the palace, right? But you've got to recognize that that didn't just impact Saul's life. That impacted Jonathan's life. Because now, from being a farmer's son, Jonathan finds himself, he is now a prince. He is the rightful heir to the throne. He is next in line. He's on deck. And so, when, if something happens to his dad, it should serve to reason that Jonathan will be king. There's only one problem. Uh, Jonathan had something that Saul didn't have. So let me explain. Saul had discernment. Saul recognized, he, he, rec he realized that the anointing of God was on David and that David had been anointed to be the next king. Saul recognized that. So, so that's not what, what was different because Jonathan recognized that too. Here's the difference. The difference between Saul and Jonathan was that Jonathan recognized the anointing of God and embraced that what God wanted to do with David was a God thing. Saul didn't discern that. Saul didn't realize that. And so Saul literally fought to the death trying to keep God from keep doing what God wanted to do. Right? And so now Jonathan recognized. See, I, I want you to understand. You've got you to read the story. You need to read the account. Jonathan could have hated David. In fact, if you really want to know the truth, Jonathan, Jonathan should have hated David perhaps more than Saul hated David. Because he recognized that, that David was going to interrupt and deny him access to the throne. But Jonathan realized and believed that this was a God thing and he embraced it. And this caused a family feud. The, the, perhaps the most dramatic moment in this family feud is the account that I read to you. Because now Jonathan, recognizing that the hand of God rests upon David, he steps in and he shields David and he protects David, right? They work out this system so that Jonathan can go to the, the, the meal and protect and, and, and kind of cover for David. And David doesn't show up as he's supposed to. And they're sitting around the dinner table and Saul says, where's David? And Jonathan said, oh, he's got to go home. He needed to go home to be with his brother. And Saul's anger boils over. And the Bible says that Jonathan finally realized his father's intentions. And Saul took a spear. Does this sound familiar? He took, 
He took a spear and he hurls it trying, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to warn him. The Bible says that he was literally trying to kill his own son. How many of you recognize this morning that when your dad throws a spear at you, you are in the middle of a family feud, right? But haven't some of you been there? Haven't you been in situations where family members have hurled things at you trying to pin you to the wall and if their, if their insults had been accurate and if their words had been on target, it would have penetrated you and it would hurt you so bad that you would have been destroyed and murdered and killed just by the simple words that come out of their mouth. Most of us have experienced that. That is exactly what Jonathan is, is in, in, in involved in. It is a severe family feud. But out of the whole thing, Jonathan teaches us some valuable lessons that we need to learn this morning if we are going to navigate family feuds. Three lessons very quickly and then I'll get out of your way. The first thing that Jonathan teaches us is this, is that a dissenting voice isn't necessarily a destructive voice. That was good. Y'all looking at me like, you know, I'm going to say that again. A dissenting voice isn't necessarily a destructive voice. I started thinking about this feud that's going on between Saul and Jonathan. Do you recognize this morning that this entire feud was simply because Saul wouldn't allow anyone to express any dissenting view, would allow no one to oppose his opinion? His own son says, you're wrong, Dad, and he throws a spear at him simply because he wouldn't listen to anybody else. And this is what we know. We have the value of hindsight. We know that that Jonathan was right. Not only was he right about David being anointed to be king, he was right about his fact that David had done absolutely nothing to warrant Saul's anger. He was right. But Saul wouldn't listen because he couldn't consider that there was any possibility that he might be wrong. This morning I want to say to you, I think there's a lesson here and it's one of the most powerful lessons and one of the most difficult lessons that we have to learn. And that is this, is that Saul's position and perspective was that his ways, his thoughts, his opinion were correct and no one else could possibly be right. Oh, it's quiet up in here. See, I, I, I have just come to the place that I believe a lot of times we end up in feuds with our family because they tell us what we need to hear instead of what we want to hear. And so the moment a family member, someone that loves us, remember we're talking extended family, inside these four walls even, uh, the moment someone expresses a differing opinion, we will not allow it and we end up in a feud. That's what, ex- that's what happens here. Our, our commitment to our own opinion, our own insight, and our, and our own conclusions cause us to refuse to examine or embrace any dissenting voice. Therefore, we see their perspective because they have a different perspective as an attack. Let me ask you a question. How different would the outcome of this story be if Saul would have considered the fact that maybe Jonathan was right? Not just their story, their end. Because we know the end of the story. But he wouldn't do it. 
Saul would, so if he would have looked at Jonathan and said, man, I, I believe that you have my best interests in heart and you're not trying to attack me, you're trying to assist me, if I would have listened to you, but he wouldn't do that. See, too often we want to do this. We want to force people to agree with, uh, to agree with us or we cut them off. Listen, if you only have peace at your house when everybody agrees with you, then you are not just destined for a feud, you are destined for destruction. If you're only happy when, all, when your spouse approves of every purchase you make, if you, if you are on, if there's only peace in your heart, if your friends will put their stamp of approval on everybody you date, okay, or or, or if 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 you're if you, you the only time I can really have any peace is when my my family says okay to everything I've dreamed up. I've been I've been thinking about it like I, I'm 49 years old and I've been pastoring, but I, I think I'm gonna be a rap star instead. And and so I, I I went and got me some nice chains and some clothes and 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 I've been practicing my beats and my rhythms. And so I just need y'all to say yes, sir, because I y'all you've got to approve everything. How many of you know? There's going to be some destruction involved in that. We're going to go broke, and my kids are going to shrivel up because they're going to starve to death. And, 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 but if there's only peace because you agree with me, that was Saul's situation. I need you to understand this morning that if we're not careful, we will throw spears at people that are intentionally God-sent to help us see correctly. Every dissenting voice is not not necessarily a destructive voice. There are some dissenting voices that are divinely disconcerting and actually sent to you and appointed to you to help you avoid disaster. You need somebody in your life that when you've dreamed up this concoction and you're going your own way and you think you've got it all figured out, you need somebody that can come into your life and say, wait a minute, I don't think you got it right. You need to stop and you need to think, because why? Because sometimes God sends humans to say no when we're no longer tuned into his voice carefully enough to hear him say no. Uh, I'm going to say that one more time. Because sometimes God sends people into our lives to say no when we're not tuned into his voice enough to hear him say no. We need to hear these dissenting voices. So a great lesson we can learn is that just because we are family doesn't mean that we all have the same view or the same perspective. In fact, the ability to see things different, listen to me, is a gift. It is not a curse. The way people see things around you may be different. And some of you will avoid them because they don't see things the way I do. They are a gift to you. There's a second lesson. I love this lesson. Jonathan teaches us this lesson. It's a powerful one. He teaches us that support, supporting family doesn't mean you have to support foolishness. All right. Woo, I knew I'd get some amens on that. Uh, I started some family feuds right in the middle of our family feud series. Um, what he teaches us is that showing through example, he teaches us that right in the middle of a family feud, you can support family, but you don't have to support stupid. All right. Even though they share your last name doesn't mean that you have to support stupid. Okay, <laughs> y'all liked it the way I said it better. See, Scripture is very clear. Scripture is clear. Jonathan perceived that David was chosen. It is also clear that Jonathan did not approve of Saul's treatment of David. Right? It's clear. But... Scripture is also equally clear that Jonathan loved his father through his entire silliness. 
I can prove it to you. Some of y'all don't look like you believe me. Let me see if I can prove it to you like this. In, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says that Jonathan and Saul go out to battle and they're killed. And David gets word that they've been killed. David's statement about Saul and Jonathan teach us that Jonathan continued to love his father even though his father was crazy. He was cray-cray, y'all. I told y'all I've been practicing for rap, so he was cray-cray, all right? Let's see, how late I, see how late I am? See how late I am? Okay, so, so this, is what he, this is what David said. He said, Saul and Jonathan, beloved, beautiful, listen, together in life, together in death, Swifter than plummeting eagles, stronger than proud lions. David even says they were together. Jonathan and David were connected. They were best friends. They looked out for one another. Jonathan saved David's life, and yet he says they were together. That's not just a geographical statement. That is about the fact that they were unified, that even though Jonathan didn't like how Saul acted, they were still together. I want to say that to you like this this morning. Too many of us allow the fact that our families act crazy to cause us to drive wedges between us and it separates us forever. Now, please keep in mind, for those of you that missed it, you need to go back and listen to last week. I'm not saying that there are not times that you will have to do more than moderate and insulate. There are times that you will it will be necessary with family members to eliminate connection with them. But what Jonathan teaches us is that we need to come to this place and this understanding that even though loyalty has limits, love does not. That's good. I, Amen, Pastor, that was good. Even though loyalty has limits, love has no limit. So you can draw a line. What that means then is this. You can say, you know what? I love you, but I will no longer support your stupidity. Okay. I will not clap for your craziness. I will not like your loopiness. I, I will not sign off on your sin but I will love you. I will remain connected to you. I will show you and illustrate for you that even though you're being stupid at the same time, even though I'm not buying in and I won't support it and I won't enable it and I won't finance it and I won't publicize it and I, okay, so I, mean, right, I, I won't slap you on the back like I'm proud of the fact you're doing it, but even through all of that, I will love you. I will love you. The third lesson he teaches us is equally important, and that is this. Grace can be extended even when grace has not been received. Uh, Jonathan teaches us that being in a feud does not have to equal being in a fight. I went back and looked. I took the time. I went back and looked. Even though Jonathan was a witness to his dad's own foolishness. Even though he knew his dad was wrong. Even though he dodged a dad-thrown spear. I cannot find one time where Jonathan tried to take the throne away from his dad. There was no coup attempt. There was no overthrow attempt. Okay, y'all missed. There, there, there was no, no rally to relieve him of command. 
There was no, re, uh, there was no attempt by Jonathan to respond in like manner. In fact, I think one of the most revealing themes throughout First and Second Samuel is this. Jonathan's graciousness and connection to Saul. That is a theme that runs through it. How do I know that? This is wild to me. In the book of First and Second Samuel, on 23 different occasions, Jonathan is described like this, the son of Saul. 23 times. Did the writer think like we were going to like forget who Jonathan really was? I, I probably need to remind the readers that Jonathan was Saul's son. I don't want them to forget that the lineage is there and that he's the heir apparent. I, I just need to tell them over and over and over and over and over again that, I, listen, I know who Jonathan is. You, Well, uh, you, I was going to say you know who Jonathan is, but now I'm concerned after the family feud three weeks. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little nervous. Jonathan was Saul's son, and he says it 23 times. Why? I think he's trying to show us that they were connected. We feud because we forget that we're connected. And that connection has implications. Listen to me. The implications of our connectedness is this. You can treat me any way you want to treat me. And although you should treat me with grace, and you haven't, I will not respond in like kind. Instead, even though I have not been given grace, because we're connected, I will extend grace. Okay. Jonathan ducks the spear. So, so this is what we know. Okay, so he's sitting at the table. They're having Big Macs. Saul gets mad, throws the spear. Aren't you glad that Saul was like, like the quarterback for OSU on the last play? <sighs> that was not in my notes. I had to wait to see how the outcome of the game came. Extend grace even when grace hasn't been extended. Oh, I'm ducking because some of you are throwing right now. So, so, so Jonathan's sitting there. The spear comes across the table, and he, he gets out of the way. So we know some things. The first thing we know is that there's a spear available. So he has opportunity, right? The second thing we know is that uh, Jonathan, oh, by the way, since we did what we did last week, this is Saul's second spear-throwing occasion, so I'm sure after he threw it, he probably went, oops, I did it again. <laughs> Some of y'all have no clue because you weren't here last week. Uh, okay, uh, sorry. Uh, so there's a spear. <laughs> no. Um, so, so, so there was a spear available. He had opportunity. Right? Right? Okay. Y'all are a tough crowd. There's a second thing we know. Jonathan was an accomplished warrior. Right? So here's the spear. It sticks in the wall. There's a spear. He has opportunity. He's an accomplished warrior, so he has ability. And the third thing we know is because Scripture is clear about this, Jonathan believed that David was supposed to be the next king. So he 
He had feelings. He had opportunity. He had ability. And he had feelings. He had opportunity. He had ability. And he had feelings. Y'all missed it. He had opportunity. He had ability. And he had feelings. But opportunity and ability and feelings do not equate permission. Because some of you have opportunities to strike back. And some of you have the ability to strike back because you're quick. And you've got the wit. And you've got a sharp tongue. And you've got information. And you've got background. And you've been thinking about this. And I'm, when the opportunity arises, I'm going to have the ability. And, and you have feelings because of what they've done to you. And there's pain. And there's past. And there's all this stuff welling up inside of you. But just because all of that exists does not give you permission to strike back. Because we are connected and when you've reached, even when you haven't been given grace, you can give grace. See, all those facts make me think that it would have been almost acceptable and even probable that Jonathan should have picked up that spear and returned it to cinder. And in that moment, fixed it all. He could have fixed everything that was wrong. I mean, doesn't it make sense that you should fight the fighter and yell at the yeller and hit the hitter and slander the slanderer, yet he doesn't do it every time Saul strikes out against him and calls. I read the nice version. Go read the other version of what he really says about Jonathan, you son of a... He'd call, he's, he's vulgar to him. He, he, he insults him. Then he tries to kill him. And in every situation, Jonathan... With grace. He responds to a family member that's crazy. And he provides for us a picture that there are duck seasons. Just ducking off of grace. I wish some of you as moms and dads would start a duck dynasty in your home. I, I, I wished that instead of striking out every time somebody does you wrong, I wish sometimes, maybe it's a grandmother or a grandfather or an aunt or a great aunt or a great uncle or, or somebody in your past or a school teacher, and every time they come up, spears start flying. I wish instead you would teach your children that you can duck and start a duck dynasty and offer grace and say, Papa didn't mean to act like that, and he didn't treat us right, but we still loved him anyway, and, and he didn't mean to say what she said about us. Just in a fit of anger. Or that boss treated me so wrong. But I want you to know I give him grace. Because I know we're connected. And I duck and I start a dynasty in my family that says we offer grace. Even when grace wasn't supposed to be given. See y'all don't know. Y'all just, I'm going to tell on my own family. Y'all don't know. Y'all just know me as uh, Steve Ely. Y'all don't know. Mama knows. We're, she's a Manning. See, some of y'all don't know. Manning, see, the, the, the Ely's, I, I think we, we tend to be gracious. Mom and I, we're, now come on, Mom. You'd, be, my, you got, you'd have to know, since I'm in trouble now. My mom will tell you, we, we love the Manning family, but the Manning family has a trait. We'll cut you. Am I right? We would. Oh, Mama's saying no. See, I'm going to get cut afterward. I just, I, I traced it down through the gen. My mom's not like this, by the way, because she started a duck dynasty. Not all the Mannings are like this, mild and meek and never say a word, don't have any opinions. Y'all think I'm playing. I'm honoring my mother right now. She broke something in our family because she chose 
to be a person and a woman of grace when not everybody that's had the last name Manning had grace. And she taught us that even when people talk bad about you and even when people use you and despise you and kick you to the curb, that you can still operate in grace and say, we're connected. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what's going on in your family. I just know that since I can't find any perfect families in Scripture, the chances are you're probably not in one either. And I would have a sneaking suspicion that there's been some spears thrown. And I would have a suspicion that there are some dissenting voices in your life. And I would have some suspicions that in your life there have been moments where, where it would have been much easier to retaliate rather than to offer grace. And I think as a family, we need to remember that we're connected. And as a family, we need to become gracious again. So this is how we're going to end this morning. If you're with your natural family, would you reach out and take your natural family's hand? Now, if you're here and you don't have any, quote, family members here, you're wrong. Because you have family members here. So even if you're not, even if you don't have the same blood, DNA flowing through you, I want you to reach out and take somebody's hand next to you that's sitting by themselves. Because I want us to know that we're connected. Kim, I hate to take your, Bill, why don't you go with her? And Catherine, yeah. Because they're connected. They're connected. You hold one hand, she'll play with the other. We can get out of this service real easy. We can just pray. That's the Christian way of getting out of it without having to do anything sometimes. Let's just pray. Let me go home and fight it out. We're going to pray because we believe in the power of prayer. And sometimes the only way we get through it is to pray. But I want us to go one step beyond that this morning. Connected. Some of you are holding hands with people you haven't talked to in days. Oh, d come on. You know you gave them the cold shoulder. This, after we pray, I just want to do this. It may be the first step, but I'm praying it's not going to be the last. What we're going to do is we're going to say this. I give you grace. Oh, you missed it. That means if I'm going to give you grace, I can't roll my eyes. Oh, shoot. Okay. If I, if, if I give you, if I'm going to give you grace, then I have to let you say things to me that may not line up with my opinion. And if I have an opinion that's different than yours, since I'm giving you grace, I will soften how I say it. At least I'll try. Grace. Father, this morning, we come to you as people that have been given 
great grace. None of us deserve to be in this room right now. None of us deserve to be in relationship with you right now. None of us deserve favor from you at all. We have been given great grace. Our dilemma, Father, is this, is that oftentimes as recipients of great grace, it breaks down in our life towards those that we're the most connected to, our families. And so, on more than one occasion, if we're not careful, we become so familiar with one another and so accustomed to one another that even though we've received grace, we don't extend grace. So this morning I'm praying together as a family you would bind our hearts together and you would remind us of our connectedness and you would make us graceful, grace-filled people that even if our family members don't respond how we want them to respond and even if their perspective is entirely different and even if their opinions great against us and even if they're foolish and even if they're crazy and even if they do stupid even if we have opportunity and even if we have ability and even if we have feelings we will respond with grace and I pray that that would start with family members so that it would rub off into the community and everybody that we come into contact with we would represent well the fact that we are graceful people I pray that you would accomplish this Help us. In this I pray. In Jesus' name. This is what I want you to do. Would you just take a few moments and would you talk to your family members and say, I give you grace. Come on. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. This is more important than the sermon. This is more important this is more important than, than the prayer. I give you grace. I, 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 I give you grace. I, I give you grace. All right, look at me. If you're done, look at me. I want you to hear me this morning. I give you grace. That's how families are supposed to behave. We're in this together. We're connected. There are going to be times I don't like your opinions. There are going to be a lot of times you don't like mine. There are going to be times I don't like your reactions. There are going to be times you don't like mine. There are going to be times when you don't want me to call you up to be part of Family Feuds. And I set you up, Teresa, but... I need you to give me some grace. Give me some grace. I'm not looking over there, you see. Give me some grace. Give me some grace. There are there is one more week of no, I'm not gonna tell you that we've already got the people picked out, so don't worry. It's not you. I give you grace. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. 
To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.